Oh, that's awesome. Uh, about three weeks ago, it's amazing how the Lord works, because he gives me this, this picture of Nehemiah and the wall, and I've been focusing on gates, and I walk into the pre-meeting, and we're talking about gateways and how important gateways are. So God's really wanting to make this a clear point there. So I'm quite excited about what he's doing. Uh, just as I was worshiping, I got this picture. <clears throat> it was quite an amazing one of, of a snow drift, white as snow, moving along with people ahead of it. And I, and I was trying to figure out what it is. Lord, what are you trying to say? And I just sensed the Lord is wanting us to, to be the, the, the people who are directing people into the knowledge of how their sins are being cleared away as white as snow. I don't, the world, God's no longer angry with the world. He's reconciled through Jesus. The, the only sin is not believing in Jesus. People's sins have been paid for. But people are living in the darkness and in the, 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 the ugliness of sin, of the thought of sin. But we come along and we bring this release of reconciliation and of freedom, what God has got for us. So see yourselves as moving forward and bring this snowdrift into people's lives because it's through us. God has chosen us generally to be these messengers of grace and reconciliation to take it to other people. So that's just the message now of, of, of just what I feel God's heart's about. Um, I'm going to get to a... I've got three slides I want to show you. They're pictures, so we don't have to go into a lot of words. There's only a few words on the last one. Um, sorry, I've got a timer that I wanted to try and manage myself. Um, so I'm going to start now. Um, you can't take a prophetic word and add that to the message. It's separate. Come on. <laughs> All right. So I'm an engineer, and I love process, and I, I love God because he's a God of process. He's put order in, hence we can fly and drive and build bridges and live in houses and do all sorts of awesome things. And, and so I, I try and look for some structure, but not letting structure be the, the overriding form, but knowing what's key. And I, I see in Scripture that there's a word that God has given us, and that word is Jesus. The word came alive, and, and, and Jesus is the word. And through the word is the Holy Spirit moving, and, and there's us who receive this and accept it, and there's an outflow of power and of incredible presence of God through that. So that's a process. So we have the Word, we have something of belief and faith, and we have the Holy Spirit, and an outpouring of what God can do. So what are some of the things that this Word can do? So I was just struck as I was thinking about this. One of my favorite stories about these missionaries in Ethiopia who had a very short space of time before the Second World War in order to bring the love of Jesus to people. And all they could leave them before the Italians said, cheers, you guys get to get out of here because we're going to have a war, is they could leave the local people who previously hadn't had any word a gospel of John. So you might have heard this, but for those who haven't, what do you think happened seven years later? Did they have a small huddle of people, a small little church, ten people that were battling the opposition? When these missionaries returned five years later, they found, if my memory serves me right, 15,000 people gathering from just themselves who read the word through John and in it were signs and wonders. People had been raised from the dead, healed. They were looking like Jesus. The word came alive as per that. And the missionaries were very surprised because they wouldn't have expected that. But these people weren't surprised because they read the word and they accepted it and that's what they believed the word was. So I think Michael was mentioning in the prayer meeting, and Connor said, God is wanting us to look like something like the Acts church of what that looks like. That's our model. Anything else is, is very strange. Now for myself, so 
I, I'm, not, I'm frustrated with myself, so I apologize if frustration pours onto you, but I want to see myself living according to what God has shown me in his word. I believe that word, and I believe the power, and I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I believe I'm going to expect those things. So when they don't happen, it frustrates me because it's wrong. It just not is what it is. And where is that disconnect? And maybe we can get to that a little bit later. So that's the context of, of knowing this, of God's plan and purpose through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, through our yieldedness and our yes to Him in order to achieve this outflowing of the kingdom. I'm going to go through Nehemiah, um, try and rush through it a bit um, and get to the stuff that applies to us. But if we can put up that first um, slide. So just out of interest, I asked my kids today, if you were to build a fortress, if you live in the land of the ugly and the horrible and the dangerous and they're always after you and your stuff, and you had to build a fortress, how many gates would you have in your fortress? One sounds, in fact, my son said zero, because you don't want to let the horrible guys in. Uh, Zoe said two, and uh, I asked her why. So, you know, one that you can come in and one that you can sneak out of. So that was quite clever. I liked that approach. Um, but if you look at this, and I don't know if it's clear to you, but how many gates were in Jerusalem? Anybody got a guess? Twelve. Okay, somebody reads the Bible. <laughs> well then, that's a good test. We're on the right, we're in the right church. Right, so that, that's quite unusual. You want to defend yourself from the horrors, and, and yet you've got so many gates to let you in. Um, just, just some other questions. How long do you think the wall around Jerusalem is that you can see there? Any guesses? It's not 300 meters. It's 3,500-odd meters. So it's a fair amount. All right, so it's significant. But let's go to a story here about Nehemiah. Um, and I want to highlight some of the things about, about him. So I'm going to read from Nehemiah 1. Um, and excuse my very English Hebrew, so if things don't sound right, uh, hopefully you'll just follow with the theme. <clears throat> the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who have survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. <clears throat> Then Nehemiah, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. So he prayed and yeah, he just acknowledged that they'd fallen short and they weren't honoring God, but he came back in, in verse 9, he says, Just remember, you said you will gather them and bring them back to a place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. So Nehemiah is a cupbearer. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, Why is your face sad? seeing that you're not sick. There's nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. 
why should not my face be sad when the city, that the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I might rebuild it. And basically, he got favor and permission for that, because what um, Nehemiah understood is that God's good hand was with him. So this is, this is quite amazing if you think of Nehemiah, because he wasn't born in Jerusalem. It's not like he had any natural birth connection with it. There's nothing. I'm born in Zimbabwe. I love Zimbabwe. It doesn't matter what it's going through. My heart yearns. I'm passionate about it, and I want to see it in freedom. Uh, other countries, maybe so, but there's just something about my birthplace that needs to be restored to God's glory. But he was born in a foreign land, and by the way, as a cupbearer, I always thought a cupbearer was like, you get to taste my wine and make sure it hasn't got poison. That's not much of a job description because, you know, kings always have enemies, so uh, you think it's kind of like find somebody you don't like and give them the job. But however, if you read a little bit of research, <laughs> Wikipedia, you might like wine, but poison is the other thing. So, so the, the job of a cupbearer was actually a very esteemed, highly honored, and valuable job in those times. It wasn't just somebody you gave to anybody. So for a Jewish person to be put in that favor in the king's um, throne room and, and council was actually a very honorable position. He had status and honor and everything else. So now think about it. He's in a foreign land, and now all of a sudden he's got the desire of God. This, this man wasn't caught up about how do I maximize my value here and build my own estate. He was caught up by the things of God. That's something I take out of this. This man was, was in tune to God's heart. And he said, Lord, what's going on here? Uh, this is more important. What's happening here is it's shameful. It, it's not glorifying to you, and your people are suffering. I'm taking this on. And if you read the months, the difference in the months was four months. So did he go and put a big plan together? Did he do an Excel spreadsheet? Did he put costing? No, I don't think he did because when I look at it, it's very simple. He just spent time before the Lord and became very consumed by what the Lord had on his heart in order to restore. And he just had confidence in God. He didn't send um, <laughs> the distance between Susa, if you look in Iran, to Jerusalem is 1,200 kilometers odd if you fly straight. But I think as you fly straight, you pass through bad lands and, and enemy lands. You kind of go north where all the B&Bs are and the Hiltons and everything else. I mean, look, you're, you're part of the king's messenger. So you follow the, the hotel chain up there. So it's probably riding by horse 30 to 60 days. It reminds me of a book, um, 40 Days in the Saddle by Major B. Umsaw. So... <laughs> It's not, it's not pleasant to do these things. I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture here. You think it's difficult to go and do certain things for the Lord. This was quite a challenge. I, I'm not born there. I've got to go. I'm, I'm a dignitary in a high position with a king. Who's, he's, not, you know, he's trying to look after his whole... Um, it's his kingdom. And I'm bringing another kingdom, the kingdom of God in there. And I've got to travel far to get there. So he was prepared to risk all of that. And, and I've read some places you didn't approach the king with sadness because <laughs> the king's looking after you and it's disrespectful to be in the king's presence with a sad face. So he actually risked extreme his life, his reputation, everything else just because God had his yielded yes. Can you see the yielded yes in Nehemiah? Lord, I hear your heart. I know what you want me to do and I'm going to do that. So he was prepared to do it. And I just love that as a picture of somebody who, who's, who's able to go beyond it. Um, he's very cheeky. I mean, he goes up there and says uh, he expects favor. He knew the Lord was with him, 
And, and I think that's a good lesson for us as well. When in situations, let's expect God's favor, even if it is somebody who's not quite on the same page. And so what does he ask the king? Please write letters, and you give me from your forest that I can go and build our town and my house. And yet he had favor because of the way he served and the way he believed in God's goodness towards him. So we, we know there's a journey he arrives there, uh, he's got opposition, there's certain local people who are not happy to see anything arise in the land of uh, Jerusalem, and um, we find that he sneaks out three days later and he rides around the broken walls on his horse with a few other men. He hasn't spoken to anybody about the vision that God's placed on his heart. Now, the thing is, why did it take somebody from 40 days away, <laughs> to arrive to this place. And if you read through who's there, there's still rulers and nobles and people of capacity. None of them had done it. They, they, were, they weren't able to achieve what was actually quite a very simple thing. It took somebody who was inspired to, to bring that plan together of the heart that it is. So I find it quite interesting as to what he said to those people in order to inspire them to do something again about these broken walls. Um, so verse 18 in, um, in chapter 3, I think it is. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. And then the opposition comes and he, he speaks to the opposition. He says, he replies to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we as his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right in Jerusalem. So, God, and I can get to that. We'll, we'll get to how that translates to us here today. The rebuilding of the wall. If you've read that passage, it wasn't the construction team. They didn't go out on tender and say, we have a specification. We need three and a half kilometers. We need a three meters high, we need to use local Jerusalem rock, we need to use local people because there's a BE component or a GEE component, JEE, uh, Jerusalem Economic Empowerment. Um, there's, there's, uh, there was nothing like that. What, what inspired was that people in the city took it upon themselves to be the local builders. And if you read through that list of people who uh, built, I don't see builders, I don't see professionals, I see priests, I see the servants of priests, I see blacksmiths, I see perfumers, I see uh, normal people, I see families and their daughters, I see people from Jericho coming in to build. I just see a whole lot of people coming together to do this building. And, and why? I mean, surely you could just argue it's somebody else's job. But in that, I'm, I'm amazed by the passion and the desire of the local community in order to build something that was of God's kingdom. They were building God's um, uh, uh, palace uh, and presence in that. Um, and then there's this opposition. The, the guys taunt them. And they tell them how foxes will come and break the walls. You're useless. You don't know what you're doing. They carry on. They get a little bit more angry. They start threatening. There's violence. And then the next plan is to say, guys, let's carry on. But we're going to carry on doing this. Uh, so as we build, we're going to have a use our trowel, but we're going to have our sword. And so I see people building, but carrying the defense uh, and, and uh, weapons in order to overcome the enemy. And there was a system of trumpets that if the trumpet sounded, the guys would then retreat to those areas of the trumpets and fight the enemy who, who would come against them. So they had a plan in place. So we're getting to what those could mean today and how that brings it in. Anybody know how long it took to build that wall? 
How much? Nope. A little bit longer. 52 days. So it's not bad for a group of uh, non-brick builders doing that. That's amazing. So they achieved something quite amazing, extraordinary. It was a heart of God to do that. Now, if I look at that picture, and this is what God struck me. So I think what he wanted me to see was something about it. When you look at that picture, what, do you, what strikes you about the, I don't know if you ever thought about the Jerusalem of that time, what it looked like in the temple. But when I look at that, I believe God wants us to recognize the prominence and pre- predominance of the temple. Because wherever you are, there's this massive temple, and it's elevated. You look and you see, and you can see the presence of God. So as I, as a Jew in that area, I would always see there's the presence of God. That's where my God lives, and he rules and reigns from that place of the land here. The other aspect that, that struck me was obviously these walls that were built, and they were there to protect and defend. But the 12 gates really surprised me because, as I said, from a, a tactical, strategic point of view, why would you have 12 gates that you need to defend? That doesn't make sense. And that, the gates, as if you understand them, are places where governance and rulers and deals would take place. So they represent the economy, and, and it tells me that was a thriving economy. But it's also a place where people can go out and come back in. And so we, people are able to go out and people are able to come back in. So what does that mean today in 2018 for us, born of the Spirit, in the New Testament area? So this, this is my understanding of, of God's wanting us to understand it. How big is God in our own lives? Have we made him this little small, I don't know if you ever had this picture in your mind, but God's not small in any, any capacity. But in our own lives, do we reflect God to that level that is predominant. Wherever we go, when people see us, they can see the fact that God's big in our lives. And it's His, his building, it's His Holy Spirit in us. It's not something that we're trying to make bigger, but are we prepared to let God be as big as that? I believe that's a type and a picture for us of what we mean to look like. I'm an engineer, I'm a businessman, but that should be small. I'm not want, wanting that to be the big, the big deal. The big deal is I'm a child of God. And I've got the presence of God coming through us. So I just want to encourage us because, and why would it be that way? Well, if you believe the Holy Spirit's inside of you and you've been reborn a new creation and now you are looking something like that God, you have the very nature of Him. So Holy Spirit gives us the nature of God, love, joy, peace, thankfulness, uh, etc. But that's what we exude. And, and if you feel it's not, I just want to encourage you that this is what the real picture is. God's showing us, I want this picture to burn in your minds, please, that I don't want to walk away with a small little tent stuck somewhere that people can't see. I want them to know that my Jesus is wanting to and desires to and flows out of me in a massive scale. So upscale the temple in your hearts and your minds, please. That's, that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Don't, don't live in the tent. We did for a couple of days recently. and <laughs> So it was very intense, yes. <laughs> So what about the walls? Um, 1 Peter 2, feeling like, uh, what's our friend Dave Hogan? <laughs> I've got a gun. So anyway, walls are made from living stones. All right. 1 Peter 2.5 says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So those walls are now us as the church. So I was just looking here, and I was just feeling God say, Graham, turn around and look at my family. And I look at you guys. You are the living stones of the church. Oh, that's awesome. I said, Graham, but just 
as Gavin would say, there's more. You know, there's more. Let's get to the real picture. So I love chatting with Gavin because I've always got to say, I know there's more, Gavin, but this is what I understand. <laughs> so at least I'm correct. I love it, Gavin. You can't. So if you read in Revelation, it talks about the New Jerusalem. Do you know how that New Jerusalem is built? Size, it's massive, it's huge. The walls, the streets, etc., streets of gold. But the walls are made of precious jewels. And I, I just got a couple of the jasper and etc. And what are the gates made of? Anybody know? Pearl, precious, precious to the Lord. We are precious to the Lord. We are those living stones. When the Lord looks at us, so when I was looking at you, He's just saying, Lord, Graham, I'm seeing this is a precious group of people, beloved, wonderful, glorious. That's who they are. That's the reality of it. And the value in my eyes is like precious stones, the jaspers, etc. Read Revelation 21 for that. All right. So if you're walking around here, think, oh, how can I be worthy? And how do I have value? That's the enemy in your brain telling you lies. What God is saying, you are the living stones of the temple that is reaching out and bringing people in, bring them, bring them to the sanctity of the kingdom. So... We are the temple of God now as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So things have changed a bit, but I don't think the proportions of what they mean have changed. We're the living, we're the temple, that's where God resides in us. It's massive, it's huge, it's important. And we are the living stones of that temple. So we, we create kind of this protection area. The walls protect and bring people in and then we can protect them and, and grow them up in the word. The gates to me, and this is very important because this is the flow, the gateways of what we've heard and how important it is to the Lord. He's talking of us being gateways. So that's the amazing, God's connecting these two. You, you've got to hear today that the picture he's given and the word he's given now, we are connected as the gateway. So these gateways enable us to go out to reach the world, to touch them, to let them know it's white as snow. Let them know they stand in snow, not in darkness, not in bleakness, not in hate, anything else, but in the love and the goodness of, of God. So I want you to see that you are those carrying out. Now, so let's just crack a, a, a bad holy cow here. Um, is it just these front rows because they're always wanting to do something and, and more passionate about it? Are we happy to believe it's all of us? Do we agree? Every single one of us has got the same Holy Spirit and the same ability to go beyond because it's God's ability in us in order to touch them and to bring them into this, come stand in the whiteness of God, know what God has done for you. So that is the gateway. We're going out, many out. It might sound a bit like a, another denomination, many out, many in. But the many in means that we've got these gateways to draw people in to our fellowship, into, into the presence of God that they can see it. So we're not trying to, and, and it's not because we're going to have more entrances here in the building. It's because we are those gateways. So I also want to crack another holy cow that it's, it's built in at my place. I hope it's going to be built in at your place. Is the fact that we are the gateways. We are going out to achieve that. It's not these guys must go and do it. So don't expect the church to grow and, and bring people in and we must present messages here that are seeker-friendly. You the seeker-friendly guys. You the guys with the presence of God that people look and say, hey, I see Jesus in you. You look, you look phenomenal. You look amazing because the Holy Spirit's working through you. You speak and you love and you talk and you do things that reflect Jesus in you. I can see it. And then you right there are saying, I'm going to show you who Jesus is. Come and stand in the snow. <laughs> oh, this is great snow. This is where the Holy Spirit flows. You are set free. So that's our job. 
let's forget anybody else having that speciality. Connor might do a few more, and if there's a race, he'll win. But that's great. <laughs> it's just the way it is. He's good at this. <laughs> I'm always in awe of him and his ability. So when he gets 100, I get one. But I'm not afraid of that. Um, I'm wanting to do something else. I know what God's called me to. But I love his vision. I love his sister's vision. I love his parents' vision. I love the other visions you guys have got. Let's go after it. Talking about dreams, I also feel God's just saying, what are our dreams for the kingdom that we can go out and do it? Because we are the living stones full of the Holy Spirit, and, and when we see ourselves in reality, we go out and we shine. Is it fearful? Is it scared? Are there some ballots and people who are saying, huh, who are you? Boo! And we like run away saying, ooh, I got a bit of a fright. Well, this has happened. It's not the way, and that's why we as living stones can draw together and encourage one another. So the strength of the living stones is we come together and we encourage one another and we remind one another who we really are in the kingdom. All right. So we are overcomers, we are victorious, and we, we know the end of the story. We win. <laughs> you know what the Holy Spirit convicts people of? <laughs> Sin, righteousness, and who's lost? Is it Jesus? Are the Christians lost? Who's lost the battle? The devil. He's the losing side. So, I mean, some of you support soccer teams. I don't, so I'm free to make these, these very bad discussion points. But you support teams that lose. <laughs> Why be on the losing side? <laughs> so I'm not mentioning colors or anything. Just keep it, keep it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but, but I'm just saying we're not on the losing team. We know who's won. And the enemy's going to try and convince you, and that's just a lie in the brain. So we as family encourage one another to say, you're the winner, you're an overcomer, the Holy Spirit has done this, you're victorious, and we can do it. So, right, so, sorry, I've really, can you show me the new temple, please? Let me show you what the new, there we go. So, <laughs> these were publicly available, so I know, I didn't see any restricted stuff. So I notice there's a lot of eye candy there. You can look at your favorite eye candy. If it's not your eye candy, don't look at it. Um, <laughs> so this is my last preach, apparently. I'm getting some vibes. <laughs> I'm no longer out up here or to use presentations. But can you see what I see? Living walls, precious stones, uh, uh, very vibey stones. <laughs> uh, joyous, full of the Holy Spirit. Can you see Jesus? Can you see how big Jesus is in their lives? I, I can tell you stories about some of those people, of what they do, and how they carry Jesus, and how they impact people's lives. Jesus is big in their lives. Same for all of us. If I took a snapshot, that's the reality of who we are. We, we is big and awesome and everything else. And so we are overflowing with the presence of God's power and his love, taking the word and letting that be true in our lives. That's what it is. And, and anything that would say it's different, I've got a job, and you know, life's hectic. Some people it's easier, uh, others it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but our goal is to always strive forward. And, and I'm praying, Lord, that I have the time to do this, that I'm not caught up in the other stuff that doesn't count. Because one day there's going to be a filter called fire, and what we built on man's systems, what I've built is my um, retirement or my house or my status or my job, doesn't get through that filter. It means nothing. But when you come through, and the fact that Jesus says, you saw me in prison, you, 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 you spoke to me, you, you comforted me, you saw me naked, you clothed me, you saw me thirsty, those carry you through. Those are the ones. And that applies to all of us, sheeps and goats. So, so that's just a reminder. Let's not, let's not miss the point of this, because it is serious. God, God does want to acknowledge us. You know, Lord, I did this in your... When did I do this, Lord? No, because you did it in love, and that was for me. Not because we're trying to get points. So this body is an amazing. I, I, 
we don't see a huge professional construction team building the temple. We see people who are in love with their God and they wanted to honor Him and glorify Him and they had that heart and desire. And just like Nehemiah, we've got a Nehemiah team here who encourage us and others and, and, the, and other leaders as well who are encouraging us to step up and to take ground and to be encouraged. I just want you to be open to receive that. Sometimes it's difficult and we have hard days and we have struggles, but let's understand that the goal is that we, we keep moving forward. We're taking ground. So we're not a wall that just stays still. That's the other thing. We, we're moving forward. We're able to move. And I get this like digital wall. We come together and then we move out. But the moment anything happens, we can close ranks. But we're moving outwards. We are a virtual wall that's taking ground. So one of us can, you know, and, and more. But we've got the power to, to take ground for the Lord and overcome. Uh, last slide, please. Okay, so here's the engineer. I apologize. Uh, process. Uh, so, as beloved sons and daughters of God with whom God is all pleased, identity, that's who we are. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> you want to argue, argue with God. <laughs> I'm just quoting him. I believe that. Do you believe that? That's who we are. That's our identity. But then something else happened because he values us so much. He's baptized us with the Holy Spirit. We act and we talk like Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It's meant to be. It doesn't matter it doesn't. In fact, when we see believers who don't, it's just like, guys, Something's in your head. Let's get Jesus into your head. This is the reality. Can you see the church? All of us, all the time, in any place. I'm ready and available. I'm, I'm fully loaded and cocked to fire the gospel grenades, Connor. So, well, I should be. I am. I am. Let me put it that way. The fact that I'm running away at times just means I've got something wrong here. The Holy Spirit wants me to, and I'm destined to. And how does that outwork? What is the fruit of that for each and every one of us? And, I, and if you disagree, I'd love somebody to come and say, Graham, you got it wrong, because that passage says it's that way. I, I haven't seen it. Please help me. I'm in error. But if, you, if nobody's coming to me, I'm assuming everybody's in agreement. Let me be that bold. Okay. <laughs> We're all in agreement, and God wants to do this, and he will. So what happens? We go and proclaim the gospel. Let me tell you about Jesus. I'm on a plane. I'm flying. I'm doing this. I'm meeting there, wherever I am, in a store, in a bank. I'm, I'm tackling pseudo-blind people. You proclaim the gospel. You heal the sick. Because that's what we do. That's Jesus did. The same works as him and greater. We raise the dead. Why not? It's in the Bible. <laughs> I don't want to miss the Bible. And we overcome injustices. We find ourselves helping those who have not got anything with the purpose in order to get them to hear the gospel. And, and what's the, the flow back? We redeem a bride. Jesus loves his bride. He wants a greater bride. He doesn't want a closed little club bride. He wants more and more. So we're redeeming the bride that we equip and teach and we find them going out as well in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the story. Uh, we wanted to ask you some questions that maybe these are just questions to walk away with. And, and, and please seriously think about this because it is, I, I want to see that flowing in such a way. We don't have to be thousands, but we will impact thousands and we'll grow. I want to be planted out of this church. I know Trevor and Rochelle are, are going to Thailand. But I, I would like to be planted out of this church in order to go and establish God's kingdom. Maybe I'm not the pastor. I get a chance to preach. Uh, maybe it's telling me I shouldn't. But the, the idea is that I want to go out and I want to impact the nations where I can. I see myself as a businessman, as an elder in business doing stuff there that's just going to be radical and changing the world. But I want to encourage us that we, we see the dream that God has for us and we know that we can do all of those fruits. So what's stopping us? Is the message wrong, if I can be bold? Are we not preaching the right message? Is it, is it not hitting the right things? Um, has the Holy Spirit not taken hold of us? 
Is he not grabbing us? Yesterday I went forward. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I know I'm filled, but there's just times I'm missing it, and I want more. So I'm, I'm eager to get more and more of the Holy Spirit. Am I thinking right about it? <clears throat> Am I, have I got the right interpretation? Am I letting the world filter and the lies filter and say, this is not for you, and you can't, and this happens, and that's more important, and you can't trust God? What's, what's confusing us with that message? And then... At the end of it, it's just kind of a will that just says, Lord, I'm going to risk and, and make a, a bold step. And every single fantastic believer, which is all of us, but those who are exercising in fruit have stepped out, and they, they generally always do that. I, I never always hear that they know that's what God wants. They just step out in faith to do what God's called them to do. So there's a risk of always falling short, but they never mind. It's, it's beyond them that they're worried about themselves. They're worried about the kingdom. They're worried about building the temple. I'm worried about letting your glory shine because that's what he wants to do. Right, I think that's, that's where I wanted to get to. Um, so, so the message is God's, we, we're his temple. He loves us. In his sight, we are precious. We're jewels. We're pearls. And, and he's filled us with extraordinary supernatural power for us to do something. And if we're not, it's... Let's not stay there and believe that's the truth. Let's say, Lord, uh, this will be the truth, and we're working together to get there, and we can see it happen. Amen. Thank you.